0: you're listening to the unsung podcast where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction and we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience and at the end of it all we let you decide if we are right or wrong this is the unsung podcast Let's yes. Guide us,
1: guide us to somewhere let's, coherent, let's, Mark. let us, because we are just me and Chris are over here and pigs and shit. Fucking, <laughs> I'm thinking,
0: it's a good it's a good link actually because you think about people that are unique to them. A good example of that is Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: so we asked Jonah to pick three albums. Yeah. "Sleeps of Angels" is the first one we'll look at by Neil Young. Yeah. Um, Mark has been texting me all day, <laughs> getting <laughs> within throwing distance of the end but having to stop like.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, um, his voice annoys me. Uh, well, yeah, sure. So, like, know, it's what's a lot
2: your of uh, experience of Neil Young before? Is this yeah,
0: like- I tried to listen to Harvest Moon. When you posted a vid- He for, for people who don't know, people Chris posted a vid- video on, um, on our Facebook page <laughs> uh, of uh, Harvest, the video of Harvest Moon, and it's it's pretty hilarious.
2: But, but to put um, it in context, I posted a thing saying, just because of this interview, mm-hmm. I was like, I I was reminded of how truly awful the video for Harvest Man yeah. is. Not not the song. Well, no, the totally. Younger. Like the, the record. The record is like. I mean, it's horrendous. i tried that. It's uh, horrendous. That's it's not. Like, <laughs> it's not the, the
0: Gold Rush as well. Was that After the Gold Rush. Beautiful after Beautiful man. man. I I it's couldn't a, get into either. But this was a younger time. I don't know. I, maybe I like. I listened to one of the other records. The, the one of the other records that we're going to talk about. Like before this. Yeah. And that was much more appealing to me. So, like, this became a really difficult lesson. Maybe it was a contextual thing as well. I'm not going to say that. That that maybe not got something to do with it. I mean, Neil
1: Young is one of those artists that... um, It didn't grab me, basically. Yeah, I mean, and if... I mean, his voice is definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're rocking now. Um, His voice is an acquired taste. His catalogue is so... I mean, we probably all know this by now about Neil Young, but... He was literally sued for not being enough like himself. Yeah. David Gibson sued him because he signed into a gazillion dollar deal and then he proceeded to make, I think it was like Trans, Neil in the Shocking Pinks. No, this is, is post Zuma, <laughs> this is 80s shit. Uh, and Neil in the Blue Notes and Neil in the Shocking Pinks or something like three, like a rockabilly record, a largely instrumental synthesizer driven record, and some other fucking mess. So yeah, this is a guy who really pushes it, which is why he's my hero. And he's written some bulletproof tunes, and the presentation of his music in particular, pretty sloppy, pretty all over the place. Sleeps with Angels is a pretty weird record. Well, no one knows about that record. And this is why did
2: why did why did you go for that one? I mean, I'm I'm not. I can see the appeal in this. I think like the way I, I was trying to get into your head a little bit to try and work out what it was about this, and it seems like it's a return to that ragged, unfussy. Sort of, you know, it's like new, Young and Crazy Horse in this one, and it seems like the band were allowed to play a bit more and really lean into it. But why why that one? Because a lot of people would cite
1: things like Freedom or, you know, Harvest Moon. Uh, Harvest Moon, a lot of people would cite. Hardly anyone I know knows that Rockin' in the Free World is on Freedom. People know twice. Rockin' in the Free World. <laughs> yeah, twice, Exactly. exactly, which is the second time he's done that, by the way. Um, Not that. two
0: songs on this record, which are basically the same as well. Yeah, different lyrics. He yeah. does that, he does mm-hmm. that in Mirabal as
2: well.
1: Yeah. Um, but specifically he did like the acoustic version at the beginning and the the loud rockin' version at the end. But Freedom is a is a super underheard record as well, except for Rockin' on the Free World. But Sleeps with Angels, um gosh, why well, was I into it? Yeah, I think it is it, it happened at a time where I was real excited about uh the bar was kind of finding its feet.
2: 93, 94. Yeah, 93, 94, exactly. It's just before Quick, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: Um, it's just right around when Quick is coming out. Um, I was really in love with Pearl Jam at the time, and <laughs> Pearl Jam was in love with Neil Young. And I love Neil Young anyway, but that definitely amped it up for me, I'm sure. I don't really remember that, but I'm sure that's true. How do you feel about Mirable? Because I think it's great. Um, I think, uh, to me, at, at that time, I thought neither entity could do any wrong. Um, I still really adore Pearl Jam and have a real kind of like soft spot in my heart for them but I, there's a lot of their stuff from that time that I can't really listen to and not like I can't listen to it like I think it actually just sounds kind of <laughs> shitty it's not I'm not trying to say that was that the Yield era? Um, that, that I just yeah, I think Versus is pretty terrible I mean Ten uh, yeah. the production's kind of terrible the, the, this, <laughs> this, this, this was
2: Neil Young becoming like the godfather of a grunge effectively right?
1: yeah I mean I guess yeah it's probably it, I think that's where he was at I mean the record was about Kurt basically it was post-Kurt suicide I think there's a lot of intriguing things about that to me and I think I like finding the little hidden record that's a record I don't I don't think it should have been bigger I just think more people who claim to really love Neil Young and or love music and or love grungy music should know that record if they want to speak with authority about that genre because I think it's a really kind of big deal and a brave record i think gosh i mean the songwriting is um the song i don't know i don't know what you made it where you made it to but um i think was a 14 March. minute song and i was like mm. <laughs> yeah 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 change your mind i'm checking it yeah here. <laughs> yeah i mean change your mind is it fuck, i'll just be real i mean it's a, a really brave song emotionally lyrically um I think his shit with Crazy Horse is just weird because none of them can really play their instruments, but they <laughs> love each other, and, and it just sort of putters along. Drive-by, there's some guitar tone shit in there that's just ridiculous. New um, Young's guitar tone, especially at this kind of era, is really strange. He's got a really distinct reverb sound as well. I don't <laughs> know what he was using. About. Well, so I know we're on Sleeps with Angels, but on Freedom, there's Don't Cry into Hanging on a Limb, and I don't think there's ever been two songs on a record... So completely paradoxical to one another. I mean, they just they just don't they don't even sound like the same era, career, anything. And I just and so yeah, the guitar on Don't Cry, the way Don't Cry kicks in is fucking savage, man. (laughs) Anyone who wants to hear a savage truly unhinged guitar tone, go listen to Don't Cry Off Freedom. Sleeps with Angels. I really like the kind of weird Broadway opening, the weird, like, my heart, my heart. My heart. Like, I just, I just, it's just weird and cool, and, um, I don't know, I just, when I really believe someone's doing exactly what the fuck they want to do, like truly, I, I'm almost, always, whether it's Prince, or Bowie, or Bjork, or Neil, or Sinead, or whoever, anyone who I really think is doing their own thing, whether they're popular or not, Zeppelin, I mean, you know, Prince obviously is huge, anyone who really is on their own shit, I, I'm at the very least really curious about everything they do and at the most it's the stuff i love the most in the world so i don't know i mean it's yeah it's i'm not saying sleeps angels should be a classic which and maybe i missed the point of this because i i'm i'm telling you guys i'm really curious as this goes on i think this is a cool idea to talk about records that kind of missed but maybe talk about why they missed yeah anyway let's okay so well this
2: is this is the middle one of three albums that made the top 10 but it was like his return to form like where do you think he got that second wind from what was missing during that dry '80s period?
1: Surely, answers grunge, right?
2: I don't know. Like,
3: there's been a lot of personal things 80s. going on as well. You know, things I, like that. I think that's real.
1: Know. I don't know a lot about his personal life, but there was a lot of cocaine in the '80s, and I think it. Yeah, there was a lot of cocaine and <laughs> no a lot of, of really shitty reverb. <laughs> um, and those two things I think ruined a lot of well, otherwise I, interesting things
3: I, yeah I listened to a really interesting podcast with uh, Tim Pope
1: you listen to our podcasts
3: I know I'm sorry <laughs> Tim Pope uh, he's a video English video director uh-huh. and he did stuff with uh, <coughs> Bowie and stuff like that and he ended up doing a new young video in, like it was off the, the Rockabilly record 84 and the song's pretty shit the album's pretty shit but the video is really really cool like he's now really good friends with uh with Neil Young. Wait, did he
1: know the This Notes For You video? The kind of like the one
3: that the, the, the car off- driving
1: around LA. Was oh a, no, this notes for you is like a sponsorship one, it's really funny.
3: Um uh, I don't know that one. But yeah, he was he was just like he went up to Neil Young's farm and he's got <laughs> like took him into the garage and he was like, What car do you want to drive to LA? and he's got like hundred and forty cars and stuff like that. And you get to that stage as an artist, it's the eighties, you've made millions and millions of dollars, you have a huge amount of cocaine. <laughs> I think there's going to be a slump in your artistic output. I mean,
2: there. See, that's, that's a shame because when you think of Neil Young, you talk about the presentation, the kind of bedraggled, long, gray hair. You think he'd be driving like one of those red, sort of Gilbert Great pickup trucks, right? Well, I think like he probably has no no
1: he, has. no, no, he has that too. He had a selection the of that. Yeah. The thing about Neil Young is that he's actually a fucking weirdo. Like He's a true, he's not trying to be weird. He's a true misfit. So, with that comes. I just when someone does what the fuck they want to do, it's real hit and miss. I mean shit, he's been going since the mid sixties now. It's just insane. He's been a, a star, a like a like a global and if not, you know, or, or at least national star since the Buffalo goddamn Springfield. Mm. 39 albums, apparently. 39 albums.
2: I mean, it's just... Curiously, exactly the same number attributed to Prince.
0: Well, I was wanting to go on a tangent about <laughs> Prince. I was going to <laughs> no, in my chips. It, it, yeah. Jonah's
1: going <laughs> to no, Prince, Prince tangent. No, Prince, no, I mean, uh, so, yeah. I mean, Prince and Neil and Dylan are three kind of interesting parallels to me because they're three wildly prolific people who have, yeah, in the several dozens of records. And Prince has fewer records, but just as many tracks. It's kind of a different different life, but... But, yeah, so prolific. I was, it's funny. I was just talking to someone about she was saying how prolific I was. And but and she was being really nice and saying there's not a lot of filler in the stuff she's heard of what I've done. And, and I I think that's largely true, at least in the stuff that, you know, after I kind of grew into myself as, as a writer and a singer. And I'm not nearly as prolific as any of those dudes. And that's for better or for worse with them because they just put out so much shit. And some of it's shit. And I think they know that and and they don't care, they're more about just the process, and they have, they've had the hits, so they've got people that'll give them money to do it, they've got people saying yes to every idea. They've also got the sympathetic ear that we talked about. they got the sympathetic ear, they've got a, they've got, yeah, I mean, so I've got a sympathetic ear of 30 to 70 people a night. They've got the sympathetic ear of 30,000 to 70,000 people a night,
0: you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I can't speak about New Young, but Prince certainly is one of those situations where he just released everything that came in his head, basically, and that was just the way it was, and that's.
1: He certainly recorded everything yeah. in his head, but <laughs> um, really then of course, didn't yet because yeah, the vault in that, was just. In that yeah. Vault, yeah. And and no, but the more successful he got, in a lot of ways, th- the, the more did he go. The more, yeah, the weirder he got, and the less, yeah, the less good it really got, as far as I can tell. I mean, maybe he loved it or something, but. It's hard to defend the new power generation. Um, <laughs> well,
0: it's interesting you mention that because this record came out in 1995, right? Sleeps with Angels. And one of my favourite Re- Prince records came out in '95, and it was The Gold Experience, which is... It's a hard lesson if you're not a Prince fan, right? Because it's just yeah. full of horrible sounds Like I really, a- really bad synth sounds and shit Yeah, right? see, I am
1: a real big Prince fan And I just can't even love get that record I say, I love that, that's um, cool That's that's uh, that's my Sleeps with Angels But I can
0: totally, yeah If people, if you, mm. if there's more I'm going to talk about it When we call it to a Prince Because we'll probably do his age stuff no, no, that's stuff, your Sleeps with Angels Yeah, it's with Angels Yeah, because, it's, angels. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, you know I can understand why people why you might take this record Because for me, there's a lot of stuff on there Which is, was b- a bad idea <laughs> like, just categorically yeah. awful See,
2: see I, I, don't, yeah. I don't buy that with the Sleeps with Angels I, th- I think there's a, there are very few bad ideas in the Sleeps with Angels I mean, whether you like it or not I think you had bad ideas in the 80s But I think, like, Sleeps with Angels marks a period Where you think you got a bit more consistent And kind of got a bit more of a
1: sense of Well, for better for worse, Sleeps with Angels is definitely a record That illustrates really clearly how unbelievably influential Neil's whole vibe, voice, everything, I mean the flaming lips are pretty much Neil Young. Oh I hate the flaming lips. <laughs> I mean but but the, the vocal tone, the kind of ramshackle approach, the, the you know, all that stuff. I mean, to me, the whole newish kind of folk psych scene, it's Neil. Mm. It's I mean, anyone who's listened to Neil's catalog a lot. Yeah, there's some that's what it there's is. There's some
2: truth in that. I mean, yeah. I would say and I hope this is taken in the way it's intended. I think the, the elements in Neil's delivery that where he embraced the kind of fragility of things and the, the unfussiness of things in the sense of letting the voice crag, going for the note, going yep. for the take that felt the best as yeah. opposed to always sounded the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think you've
1: taken elements of that and some yeah, of the you stuff might, you've you done. You might have just summed up what, in, in the way that I think you wish that we would sum things up a little bit quicker. <laughs> uh, take this part because that part that he just said about going for the moment that's definitely always what I've done, and that's definitely always what I've loved about Neil Young. And I think Sleeps with Angels is a really, there's that word shambolic that's become such a word. That's what that record is to me. It's full of cracked voices and errors and off time and just kind of clumsy, stumbling things. And I just adore that aesthetic. I just always have. it. Just, it's very honest yeah I don't mind that about, about it. it like it's, that's not why that's not why
0: I didn't dig about it because I'm, I'm I'm a punk kid so that kind of shit Appeals to me quite powerfully but yeah, there was just no hook for me there was nothing to just like suck me in and that's what I was ho- that's what I've always hoped for when I was the, a new young record hearing that, that you like, can't
1: get into after the gold rush I mean I'm not saying that I mean yeah, that's insane. In my head
3: and I felt like getting high.
2: I was thinking. To me, it's insane, but
1: but 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 reserving that judgment, hearing that, I I get it. If you if you can't get into that, you're there's really not a lot of Neil you're going to get into, mm-hmm. pretty much, because that's to me the most cohesive. Th- to me, after the Gold Rush is kind of Neil's water and solutions. Like that's like that's where I think a lot of things came together. It was popular, people loved it. He was on fire. Um, he he wasn't yeah too kind of drug or fucked up or kind of out of it. It seems yeah. like. Um, he was still young. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, you're not. Young, young.
2: young. To be yeah. young. <laughs> well, I suppose still.
1: Well, there I come a point in like a year when we come back
0: here and I'm like, by the way, I fucking listened to that record and it was amazing. I mean,
1: I, I, it <laughs> sounds like a cliche, but how old are you? I'm 32. Right. I, not that younger people can't love it, but I will bet that as you age, you'll have more of an appreciation for me. Well, Neil. Weaver likes New Young a lot. Right.
3: Yeah, I got. Harvest when I was seventeen. I think
2: Harvest is still my
3: favorite. Harvest
1: is yes. well, my favorite. Actually, sorry, I take it back. Harvest is truly his most. Yeah. That, that's his Joshua Tree. That's his like very stable.
2: Yeah, a, no, yeah, that's
1: that's a that's a. I mean, there's a reason he did a sequel to it 25 years later or whatever. Just because it's kind of a funny you know, thing. On one of when I put out Revisitor, the the me and a guitar version of Visitor that I did, you know, full crowd funded. I did a tour over here. Uh, my booking agent at the time, really sweet dude, uh, called Hayden. He Mentioned to me that it was the 40th, 40th, I think it was 40th anniversary of Harvest when I was doing the tour, so it ended up kind of. I don't know what his idea was, but I loved that it was such a weird idea. We kind of combined those themes of me re-releasing this record and the anniversary of this record. So I was, I would play a couple of Neil tunes every night. I was out with the singer of your favorite band, McPherson's. Gillian Ant Farm? Yeah, <laughs> um, and me. No, no, no. The, uh, the band that we fought about where you're yeah. slagging them off. And me, yeah, Dave McPherson. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll thank uh, it. I'll... yeah. No, like that, 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 was, that was a joke. I hate him.
2: Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. well, that wasn't a joke my Yeah, part. no, he
1: hates him. So I was <laughs> on tour with McPherson, and so we would sing Neil Young songs and stuff. So, anyway, that's the little. He he's a nice guy. <laughs> and I think soon I'm releasing on a little cassette label over here. A little EP of Neil Young's
0: song. Should we talk about folk? Should we talk about Judy So? We can. And yes. Yeah.
2: This is really interesting. This it's is someone I'd never heard of. Same. So yeah. It's a. It's this well
3: I thought I'd never heard it and then I'd seen that old grey whistle test session yeah. like years ago Really, my mum had all the old grey whistle tests right. on video
1: which is amazing that's an education in itself um, so, yeah so Judy Judy Sill yeah. like two two albums and then
2: what seven years of nothing she, she died tragic story and then a yeah. posthumous release right with like yeah. the early 2000s this
0: record this record smashed me by the way I listened yeah. to it and I was like oh, oh my god this is so good oh, no.
4: Are flying. come on the light is gone. slowly dying. tell me how you come through still the miles yet to run.
1: How did you find out about this Yeah, she is one of those exceptional producer artists and we get into a different kind of category here where I first heard The Kiss I was flying back from the UK from a tour and I was listening to one of those it was either Uncut or Mojo, one of those CDs that comes with a magazine. Mm, yeah, yeah. I forget what the theme was, but I was literally half asleep, like, you know, dead fucking tired at the end of a tour, going home, headphones on, and the kiss came on and it was just one of those cliche things. So I just shot up in my seat and I was like, What the fuck is happening right now? Is it the album version? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, it was the one off Heart Food. The piano was great, but it was actually the when the vocal came in, that weird double tracked, biting, completely vibrato free, flat affect vocal. Absolutely. That's, it that's just really striking. Fucked me up. Yeah. And then and then the song just kept getting bigger and these strings came in and I was I, I literally was just what am I listening to? It was it was like this alien presence and I still listen to that record. And we get into an interesting thing because we've talked pretty much, I think, only about men to this point. Mm-hmm. And because we're we're talking about rock and roll, we're mostly talking about white men thus far. And so that's fine. So she's a white woman. She's a white woman who wasn't particularly gorgeous, um, who also wrote really weird tunes and stuff. But here's where you get into artists, I think, that truly don't get the attention they deserve because the way they inhabit their identity doesn't make sense to people. I think she was a genius every bit uh, that Brian Wilson or Paul McCartney... Or anyone was. I think
0: stuff on here that's like years years and years ahead of the time. Yeah. I like, mean it's just
1: it's just scattered. beyond.
0: Yeah. yeah I uh-huh. mean
1: she of women songwriters, I mean Joni Mitchell, I'll put her up against Joni any day and I think Joni's a fucking genius too. She was so and the more I've read about her, so she was the first signing to Asylum, which was Geffen's first label, which which I think also had the Eagles and Jackson Brown and um Graham Nash produced her first single, I think I think she he, I think he produced Jesus was a crossmaker. In her world of kind of LA songwriters, she was widely revered as better than all of them and just, like, miles ahead of what the fuck they were doing. And, yeah, she was super... I mean, she was super troubled from an early age, really. It was,
2: like, family violence, I heard, which led to her being sent to reform a Christian reform
1: school. Yeah, she was in reform school, which is where she learned how the kind of gospel shit she's got going. She did a shit-ton of acid, apparently, at a relatively tender age. Do you think Um, that informed the religious
2: content of her singing? Because that seemed... I can't tell how much of the religious content is purely, uh, imagery. circumstantial mm. sort of imagery. Yeah, like, and how much of it is actually part of the message?
0: That's what I thought was interesting as well. When I was listening to it, because it was like it was striking me as being delivered in a way which is not necessarily its uh, music. Yeah, but it was also I couldn't make it out either. Like, I couldn't understand. Like, I could understand why it I was think there, her, but was, yeah, her
1: sense of the way she messes with spirituality and religion and all that reminds me a lot of the way Prince does and I think the sort of unifying element there is that it's about devotion that's what love is about that's what religion is about it's about devotion and and I think she was really curious about the idea of surrender and in her case as with Prince I think the real surrender was to music was to these ideas in her head and she was so desperate to get these ideas out and yeah I mean she she I mean she had producers but Apparently she arranged all those strings and all those instruments, and she just heard the whole goddamn symphony in her head. Um, I've never heard a record like that before since.
4: The fires were roaring. Stars aligned and our webs were spun I could sworn I heard my spirit I have to
2: admit I have a slightly different take on the religious thing in the sense that I, it, it kind of came across and this is very, a very superficial amount of time to get into somebody but it seemed like she was quite troubled and yeah. I, I find that quite often in those situations especially uh, violent households, you know, elements trauma, of yeah. abuse, trauma yeah. religion can follow to some extent sometimes it fills a gap and sometimes it's uh a coping mechanism. Whereas I felt with Kit, uh, with Prince, and I know this isn't about Prince, but with no, Prince, no, no. there was almost a perverse sense that Prince became so unaccountable that he became religious because it was the only thing that could effectively keep I,
0: him I, in I check. I don't think nah, he's all like, <laughs> no. no, no. There's, that's there's something a, we'll talk about as well. But he's example, always like been yeah. religious, Prince always. and
1: Dylan, like, I think, have a parallel that I think they both just really loved to fuck with people, <laughs> and so I think there's a little bit of that maybe. But Prince also had a, had a bunch of trauma. I don't really know what Dylan's early life was like, but um. But he also didn't find Jesus till way later, and I think Dylan's. I, I'm convinced that Dylan's was utterly a fucking put on. Um, <laughs> but who knows? It's probably just me being a sad Jew. Um, but <laughs> but Judy Sill, I think. Well, yeah, she, her whole thing is that she seemingly believed in whatever some version of Christianity or something like that, and she also wrote songs about aliens. So I think she was certainly into escaping into magical places. And religion for a lot of people it is. It's I mean, for better or for worse, it's this wonderful fable filled world of right and wrong and of, of magical things happening and impossible things happening. And I think people that have been through a lot of trauma, to your point Yeah. And of square and circles, ways to make things make sense that yes. otherwise are just incredibly hard
2: to to, to reconcile. Probably impossible
1: yeah. to reconcile. And so I think that's where that stuff for and that's where that's a place that music and religion both occupy and I both come with their own pitfalls but it does it does add yeah. an element of like tragic kind of beauty to
2: this record That's that really yeah. did come across in the time I had to get it. I think like, there's yeah the
0: whole story like of her life just generally it, it gives the extra power to this record I Yeah, think.
2: I have to say it's really it's really worth checking out as well if like us you weren't familiar with it beforehand uh,
0: you know. it's, it was staggering like it mm-hmm. honestly only brought me tears it was yeah. that I think good that time.
2: production as well that you mentioned just very quickly I think like that production technique, I think, really informed people like Elliot Smith.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, yes,
2: that's and, a good, that's
1: a really good call. Yeah, actually. and yeah. I,
2: I think it's uh, really striking. It you talk. Do we know things- if he
1: loved her? I wouldn't be surprised. I would. I would. Can, I hope he did. Investigate that. Yeah. I hope he did because I think that's a fantastic. Connection that I hadn't really thought of, and Elliot Smith is another it's, obviously troubled. Yeah, absolutely, person. and yeah. somebody that also
2: associate with that multi-layered yep. vocal thing, and she seems ahead yep. of her time in that in that sense.
0: Oh man! Can Did I make a strange connection? Yeah. Her voice reminded me of the female singer from The Beautiful South.
2: Why? Why just me? Oh, I get that. Why would you do that to anybody?
1: <laughs> You familiar with? I the don't beautiful know South. that band well enough to it's, know that. I'm gonna listen to I'd no, you it. probably Do you, you probably <laughs> don't want to know. No, no, no I'm like, curious now. Like no. a
0: like adult contemporary chamber pop, uh, <laughs> beige pop, beige. Yeah, nah, got but it. But her yeah. voice, the, her voice. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if I can't remember her name. If she wasn't surprised, if she wasn't influenced in some way by it, because she said this, her voice oh, yeah, is almost exactly yeah. the same.
1: Yeah. Well that's what's weird is that, from the sound of it, I'll bet a lot of Beautiful South fans wouldn't get Judy Sill. I don't think so. Even though, yeah. because, but what Judy still did was, in, and what I love about her so much is that there's there's not a, probably not even an electric guitar, let alone a distorted guitar in any of her shit. There's not a lot of dynamic and drama the way we think of those things. It's actually, it is pretty um, sort of sing-songy, songwriter. I mean, the, the, her changes, her sense of harmonic, whatever the fuck, is so beyond me that I don't even know how to talk about They'd You're reminding
2: me of the Carpenters a little bit. See, I, yeah, I, I don't I think mean delivery-wise, but chord change-wise, yeah. the, the decisions she made artistically, and it suggests that she could have. I mean, she did okay, but she could have been bigger, oh. given that you know, given the pop, the the audience that was clearly there for that kind of uh, sensibility. Well, yeah, she
0: faded into complete obscurity. Like, no people like didn't even know she died when she died. Like, also yeah. friends were not aware of the fact that she that yeah, she died. I mean, do we know why? Like, why? She had,
1: she had the No, overdose. but why, why didn't take off her? Or like? <laughs> oh, why didn't take yeah. off her? I mean, I really think at that time, I mean, if you look at the female artists that were really big or whatever, um, Joni was, you know, this sort of elegant blonde, whatever. Judy Collins was pretty ridiculously beautiful. It was Carly Simon, same, unbelievably beautiful. Uh, Joan Baez, you know, pretty regal looking. Judy still was kind of mousy.
2: And quite austere in her dress. like Yeah, you know, buttoned yeah. Up. And but not, she, she yeah, not really willing to, to, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: totally. Not really. And ironically, she was super into sex and romance and all that stuff, and it kind of came through in her songs. The Kiss is actually a really sensual, sexy, like, it's a song to me about this sort of, like, the meeting of the flesh and the spirit, and all this is a ridiculous tune. And she, talk, she actually gives a little introduction in that live That's session right. where yeah, she, she, she says, says this. Yeah, exactly. And, um... She was not a marketable creature. Um, and her music purely, it, it, yes, it sounded great. It was way ahead of its time, but it was way ahead of its time. Um, the convention she was using, they sound to us shockingly sort of modern and even no one's even gotten there yet. And it didn't sound like my least favorite shit of hers is the stuff that sounds the most of that time. So on the on Heart Food, it's, it's all about the kiss and it's all about the donor, um, which is this long kind of weird meandering thing that uh is crazy and there's other stuff that's a little more kind of pop folky but still just weird as fuck and again people that know about music i think honestly can appreciate her even more than i can in a way because i don't even know how to write songs like that the way she changed tempos and keys and i don't like i actually don't even know if she's doing those things it just sounds so fancy to me
3: You we'll mentioned acid, and I think that
1: was a key ingredient. Well, it's acid. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. You know, you know I, and and I'm I'm I've has, done I've done plenty of acid, and I think it's it maybe it's a unifying quality between. well, I guess Prince didn't do a lot of acid, but Neil, I'll bet, did at some point. I don't know <laughs> if he would admit it, but um, but yeah, me and Judy sure did, and she did a lot more than me. And it's acid plus genius, though. I would I think her closest analog was Brian Wilson, honestly. And, but he's revered and Sounds is revered as this da, da 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 And I think Heart Food at the very least should be, but again... She never wrote whatever those Beach Boys tunes are, you know. Whatever. She never wrote the middle. Good vibrations. <laughs> yeah, no, good. She, no, yeah, good yeah, vibrations yeah. was the Beach Boys middle, and without that tune, without Help Me Rhonda, and without this this other stuff, the genius part, the less accessible parts, would never be paid as much attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she never. She certainly never had that. I mean, the the kiss was as close as it came to a really coherent kind of tune. And maybe in its day, Jesus was a cross maker. Is was kind of popular, but again the tune was called Jesus was a crossmaker and it's not even an overtly religious song it's actually a tune exploring who the fuck Jesus was as a human you know so it's just a very she's a confusing creature she's great which is why I love her
0: I think I read that she was really into Mozart which is what like explains quite a lot of the, right. the, the classical movements on, on and the, who right?
1: in that scene was really into Mozart <laughs> and acid you know <laughs> yeah. she was just and a, Jesus yeah yeah and Jesus yeah it was just Judy fucking still of <laughs>
4: king Through the gray, the entry, every All right,
0: so uh, the third one. The third one. Um, PDP, right? Yeah. Yeah. Boogie Down Productions. Yeah. Did, Weaver, did you take this? <laughs> <laughs> did you listen to this? No, I didn't. <laughs> this didn't? is the one I didn't. Yeah, Shit, <laughs> okay. I did listen to it. I did. Listen. And I thoroughly, <laughs> I I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. I, 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 I kind of
3: know this record a little bit but yeah I haven't, I haven't actually listened
0: to it either. I had heard of KRS1 before obviously um, but I wasn't I wasn't ready for how dense yeah this, this record is like not just like musically but like lyrically and message wise there's so much social activism on it I, I wasn't buying the reggae stuff but I don't generally like that kind of thing anyway so it wasn't really for me I think me.
1: the record falls off a little bit in the back half but yeah the first five hmm. six tracks are just gold,
2: gold. We, should, we should probably mention this is this is Oh yeah yeah. 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 So, by BDP. Yeah. BDP yeah. <laughs> Criminal minded yeah.
1: was BDP's first, first record, and it's the one that a lot of people call the classic. And uh, you know, and it's great. And it's um, much more. It, it
2: betrays its kind of gangsta vibes a lot more. It's much more. as it the the definition was or not the definition description I saw was thuggish. Like, slightly yeah. uncouth. Like they were kind of before,
0: before gangster Rap. That's kind of seen as being, like, the thing that but brought it in. But they
2: got progressively more political, as I understand it. Oh, that. I mean,
0: the first record is political. It's not gangster Rap. It's just it, kind of talking about the politics Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, the
2: you know, I mean, mean, they became part of the Stop the Violence movement, yeah. though, and they began. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's because mm, Scott
1: LaRocq got killed. Um, mm. So the DJ on Criminal Minded, and essentially the production behind Criminal Minded, that dude got killed in between that and Entertainment, and he... I think even before them, though, yeah, they were talking about that life, but it was in a much more subtle, strange, informed way. It was more, I mean, the, the track off Edutainment, I mean, there's a lot of them, but Material Love, Love's Gonna Get You, like that—that that is, I often cite that as my favorite hip-hop story song. A drug dealer,
4: my man. I go upstairs and hug my mother, kiss my sister and punch my brother. I sit down on my bed to watch some TV.
1: this linear tale being told um, in verse. And he's just he's just telling the most brilliant sort of little parable of what the fuck do you do when you're growing up in a super poverty riddled, uh, you know, police invaded inner city thing where your only way to get loot is to sell drugs. Um, And, and the main hook of the song after all these things, it's, it's, it's sort of like, are you going to steal bread to feed your family thing? It's like that written really well. And it's the, the main hook is So tell me what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, and you know, that, that whole thing of, uh, I did it once, I did it twice. And then there was steak with the beans and rice, you know, and, and, and this whole thing of, of lifting his mom up and getting his sister clothes. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it just, it's a, just a fucking staggering tune. And his delivery is so bold and yeah, the ideas he's introducing, He's talking about being fucking vegetarian and shit. Yeah, there's a song, about, there's a song about like yeah. don't eat meat. Like, yeah, like... I mean just <laughs> what? Like it just yeah, it's really it's really something. And his delivery is just. In
4: your body, its structure becomes your structure. All the fear and stress of another. Any drug is addicted by any name. Even drugs and meat, they are the same. The FDA has America strung out on drugs and beef, no doubt. So if you think that what I say is you a know, point like I'm I'm
2: consistently the whitest guy in this room. Every <laughs> time we do. This, but I have to say, like this, this album did speak to me. You Holy shit, we yeah <laughs> hey, No, I've, 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 I've kind of nailed my colours to the mast here, man. I, I like the much more politicised stuff. I like the stuff that's that speaks with a more of a sense of like constructive criticism than, than and that's kind of why a lot of the newer stuff leaves me cold. Because I mean, we spoke about it before we yeah, started yeah, recording. Sure, sure. I think a lot of that has drained out of it. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's become. It's become more neutral to try and offend less I and think' you're, in space, you know I think
0: you're not listening to the right stuff for one, but um
2: Henry Clamar
3: <laughs> is the biggest hip hop uh, star in
1: the world right now, and he has, he has he's overtly political and his records aren't nearly as popular as a ton of people that would also be called hip hop that might not be revered oh. the way he is in the community. But they got way more views and sales than he does. As much press Yeah, that's true. That's As true. much press as Pimp Butterfly and um Damn have gotten, they the numbers aren't even fucking close. Yeah, that is um, true. And yeah, he's a total genius, but he is definitely the exception that proves the rule when it comes to hip hop right now. He's he's uh to me on a whole other fucking level right now and I'm glad he's getting the attention that he is, but it's uh he's he's definitely not representative of what you're talking about, which I think is real. And no, I mean it was a really hopeful, exciting time in hip hop then it was um people were giving dudes record deals it was just it was such a simple form it really was fucking two tier two tier and a microphone there wasn't much going on i mean until i also talked about p and yeah. um and you which know, is a Bom- big
0: record anyway the, the, right, public the, well, record. the bomb squad yeah. really
1: changed everything because they really brought this like wall of fucking sound to hip-hop that um i think has been done not well since then i think they're sort of like the zeppelin of hip-hop in that way they really changed the game sonically now what we're looking at is the equivalent of white snake basically <laughs> um to to public enemy zeppelin um but bdp he wasn't i mean i think he was super influential but in a different way and a lot of people could listen to that record i think and think of it as kind of simplistic the rhyme schemes and it's a little bit passe and the beats are real simple and it's real dry and it just sounds kind of homemade which is what i adore about it as well but what did you dig about it? I, want, I actually want to know. Like, what what, what Like, what got to you? I mean, was it um, the, the consciousness of well,
2: it? I, I must say, like, just you're, yeah, you're the fact talking that, it The fact
1: that you could get away with making that record and having any label put it out at that time is pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, first of all, though, I
2: do feel slightly bad for BDP, given that Public Enemy did seem to cast a pretty long shadow. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> there, there's there's a lot in this. And it seems like there's a lot in the rest of the catalogue as well. God, oh, it's such a big point to make, and it's probably so over-laboured, but, you know, it's like, it's like punk rock, you know, like, say what you want, man, but Green Day is not punk rock. Punk rock came from a mentality and an origin that it really is intrinsic to, to that, to that format. I mean, there is music that sounds fast and guitar and has those drum beats that go, get doesn't mean they're punk rock. And it's to me, that's like hip-hop. Hip-hop came from a political place, as I see it,
1: as the way it's in the room. Well, but for, mm-hmm. No, but forget about political. It came from a misfit place. That's why I love older metal a lot, but not newer metal. It's because there was a time when, being a metal musician, you actually were an outcast. You were a fucking yeah. nerd. Yeah. No one liked it. People just thought that it was kind of just, Weird and scuzzy, and it was it wasn't hair metal, and it wasn't you know yeah. it was ironically sorry um, maybe political is the wrong word, but there's no no a, but there's a, there's a little came with place. it because yeah. I think largely because hip hop is black, um, and so there was a there was a desperation being talked yeah, about and, that was and infused with for well. the civil mm-hmm. rights movement mm-hmm. and for all this you know black thought that was mm-hmm. that was a really big deal and is a big deal, but at the time that's their equivalent the same kicking back they were doing is what what I would call yeah sort of actual punk rock and it's it's no slag on green day but they were are they're a pop band you know i mean fucking genius pop band i mean dookie i i'm not gonna front on dookie like there's some ridiculous yeah Yeah, Yeah, Um, don't fuck with that man no but but it's not punk rock in that same way there's not that same desperation it's a different kind of to me it's like a different well it's a little bit like if bdp is like a sort of sort of an ancestor of gangster rap in that sense um it really, it very quickly became a caricature of itself, and I'm not saying it was any less valid and people can love NWA all they want, but they're, they're not necessarily my cup of tea, generally speaking, or a lot of other people that are less well-known than them that kind of came out and were doing this more sort of graphic violent thing. It's kind of sensationalist. I think it started playing into what a lot of white America wanted to think about black people, yeah. and BDP was not serving that up. BDP was talking about violence and... They were talking about vegetarianism and they were talking about Egypt and you know, and Chris was just like just on a fucking thing. I mean, just really Yeah, that record, man. So so I think like in the same way as you say, Green Day is
2: pop. It's dressed up in it's dressed up in punk yeah. clothing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of the hip hop that we sometimes call hip hop is actually pop. And this feels like hip hop. I think I think
0: that's probably accurate to say yeah, now. Yeah. Like yeah, um, that's real. And the reason I love hip hop so much is because as as for me, punk rock is the exact same thing. I, like yeah. you know, so spiritually as, as, un, Absolutely. as unvarnished
2: um, as yeah. this mm-hmm. is that is reminiscent for me as the whitest guy in the room mm-hmm. of the unvarnished punk rock Absolutely, and I, I love that I love like for you know the early Wire records for example are really oddly done and patchy and inconsistent but there is a there is a, a motivation behind those records that I think is unimpeachable mm-hmm. and this feels similar and I think like it was much easier to engage with it uh, as a result the so, thing
1: I think that I share with Wire is another great artists to bring into it because I think their records do sound like BDP records are early early BDP stuff um, it's that stripped back thing it's that sloppy thing it's that real dry thing it's that real kind of could have made this in your garage thing like actually and yeah. sometimes did you don't feel um, like
2: you're being lied to basically yeah.
1: it, it, it's, a, it's, just, it's, it's just there
0: Kiaris okay, wanted pretty much L'Orbodox on this record didn't they? Again, part, cause, yeah, again, yeah. Well,
1: especially that one in particular, because Scott Larock was gone, and I have mm-hmm. the feeling that Scott Larock was more the visionary. I don't know that much about them, so I could be off on some of this, but feel like he was the dude. It was a and trio, then, I think. Yeah. It was a trio, and Scott died, and then the other two kept going, but KRS one became more
2: prominent, as I understand it. Yeah,
1: it seems like I don't actually know the the third. If there's a third limb to that creature, I don't know the name of that person. So that's interesting because I always knew about Chris and Scott, and um, but yeah, yeah. there. That Well, that whole phrase, necessity is the mother of invention, I think there's a real necessity to those songs. His ideas that he wants to get out, this limited ability they have to make it, they they obviously... I think they were consciously... I think that's the thing. Early punk and early hip-hop, it wasn't that they were trying to be lo-fi, they just were lo-fi, because yeah. they didn't have the fucking loot. It feels kind of bootstrapped. Like yeah. They, they, they just had to do it by a, their I own think means. It's one reason that I like... I'm gonna bring Elliot back into the conversation because I like uh, Either or a lot more than uh, than EXO or the the stuff that Figure Eight. Figure Eight. And stuff. Yeah, um, and his tunes were amazing and stuff. But I always felt like on EXO and Figure Eight and stuff, he was in some ways trying to do what he did on Either or, except in big studios, and it didn't it didn't quite work for me. Yeah. I know a lot of people love that stuff and a lot, but I love no, Elliot's. There Smith, are but, good yeah.
2: songs, but they like that raw. There's something about it, Like, I don't know. yeah, unfiltered kind of uh, quality of either or. I agree. And this feels the same. Can I just add, like, for a bit of trivia, I may be way off here, but it's just a, a guess. So this, this was a 1990 record, maybe the first half of 1990. The second track, Black Man Effect... Mm-hmm. Um it's got that oh, oh, oh yeah is that what they sampled for uh the judgement night soundtrack when uh, wow. you know faith yeah. no more collaborated <laughs> with Booyah <laughs> Tribe uh, yeah. only they kind of put it in a minor key oh, no it sounds so much like it
4: but the teacher so check the black man's in Judgement
1: Night was was done by Happy Walters from Immortal Records, who signed Far. So just to bring that weird circle in.
0: My favorite rapper is a guy called Sage Francis, who's really heavily influenced by KRS One. You can hear it, yeah. And he's got the same vibe
1: and everything. Yes, Sage um, Francis is definitely is. Is, is he actually inter, like influenced by them? Do you yeah. know that? Like KRS One, because I've always thought of him uh, as the heir to that kind of style. And, on and
0: on a, vibe. on one of his live albums, he he talks about um he introduces a song by saying I learned this song when I was living in a cardboard box in the South Bronx with KRS-One there's oh.
1: another there's
0: another song where he's like yeah, he talks about how KRS-One was his teacher oh cool like that. so, that's really good to yeah. hear because
1: I've always had that feeling about mm-hmm. listening to, I've never listened to a ton of Sage Francis but she I always like this yeah. mm-hmm. um, but uh, that's, that's cool what is that?
4: It's
2: Yeah. So as a, as somebody hitting us up for the first time with three suggestions, man, they were pretty rewarding. Good. Like, especially bad. especially I, the two that that I had never heard before. I, I really uh I really enjoyed them, and I have to admit, you give me a, a renewed appreciation for the Sleeps of the Angels era, Neil Young. Awesome, It'll it's interesting man. to see what people make of that. Um, yeah, that
0: was my first exposure to KRS One, and I will be listening to more of that as well because I'd heard about him like he's he's, he's a huge lore character, like huge character well, in Definitely pop, tell me you know, because like,
1: I've actually never found. Later, Boogie Down Productions thing. I they got a bit more into the reggae thing, and even again, even by the end of that record, I actually don't listen a lot to the end of that record. Yeah, but the first half of it, I is I've listened to it as much as almost any record in the world. I think um, his
0: mom was like Jamaican, wasn't she? So like that's what I don't know that's where a lot you of that came from, lot. and there's a lot of that rhythm stuff on it, but. I had to turn off 100 Guns. Like I was like, I'm done with this song. I need to move on to the next one because it was just grating on me.
1: Like, it gets a little tiresome. Yeah. It does, and I think that's always been his thing for better or worse. But again, I think, as far as I can tell, he's a truly eccentric person. Um, and um, I think, I think the kind of stuff that really hits, there's sort of, there's a level of, and I don't know if he's a genius or not or whatever, but there's a level of eccentricity or genius or whatever that thing is. Actually, I think. Really, when genius really applies, it's when a person is kind of eccentric, but what they do somehow also resonates with a gazillion people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's the difference generally between things that are unsung and and not. To, to bring it back to like this idea is that they're the real the real just sort of immortal people. I think are the people that did it, like the real weirdos. But it happened for any number of reasons to really, really click with a bunch of people. And then there's other people that are real popular, but they're more, they make cereal, you know, to what we were talking about before. They make crafts, they make a table, they make a thing. They're really good at creating a thing that people enjoy hearing. And of course, they're really good at imitating an art form. Well, there's also innovators and the people that kind of pick up the pieces yeah. and the Zeppelins and the Whitesnakes. Approximating
2: yeah. and synthesizing something well in an enjoyable fashion. Yep. You can make some really great music, but... Great, is, uh, great what, entertainment. Yeah, great <laughs> entertainment, sorry, but what is your motivation? Like, what is the motivation behind that? And the motivations are quite distinct, I think.